Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything Ema podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and I hope you're having an absolute wonderful day so far. And just to add a little bit better to your day, make your day a little bit brighter here if you're a K-State fan. Go ahead and give the full episode a listen. We're going to talk a lot today in a different style than we normally do, but it's going to be just as exciting, I promise you that. But before we do get into things here today, let me say... If you're interested in subscribing, it helps us out a ton, first of all. Leaving a five-star rating and review on the show, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts at. We've got a free Heartland koozie. Your way, whenever you want it, all you have to do is screenshot that review and rating and send it over to Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O. You can find him on the Heartland website or on Twitter at Pete Mundo. You can go ahead and find him. Send it his way, and that koozie is all yours all summer long and after that as well. I'm not going to revoke it at the end of the summer, but I tell you what, it's going to keep your beers ice cold, and it'll be perfect for the hot months. Now, while we don't have a ton of news, I'm not going to sugarcoat it right now. There's not much going on in the K-State community right now. However, 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 I wanted to break that down a bit and take a look specifically at the K-State community. Now, I say there's nothing going on. There's always talk. There's always conversations. There's always topics of people saying, is this guy going to be better? Is this guy going to be better? How's Deuce Vaughn going to do as a rookie? Is Felix going to get eight sacks? What's going to happen in the future? All those conversations, you can jump in at any time you want on any social media network. However, today's video, I decided to take some of those, and I'm going to react to them. I'm going to give you my thoughts on these Twitter conversations, on these social media conversations I've seen, and riff off them a bit, give you my thoughts on the situation. Just jumping in without knowing the full story, I will say. The majority of what I know, I'm just going to roll with it either way, and we'll see how it goes for this episode, but I am excited to get into things here today. Now, starting off with the first piece of content to react to, I want to give a shout-out to my boy Brian Clinton. He's been ranking all of the different position groups for each team in the Big 12 on Heartland College Sports, and he's been posting those. And let me just say right now, regardless of who you're a fan of, you hate the list. That's just how it works, it seems like. Unless you're at the top, you absolutely despise Brian. I know we're not big... uh, We haven't been the biggest in the polls so far, but I do say that it's kind of funny to watch the reactions from just about everybody. So, you know, there was Baylor on the first post. I think it was ranking O-line or running back position. I forget what the exact was. And Brian had him about seven or eight, which was pretty, you know, it was pretty accurate in my eyes. But of course, everybody hates that when they're not number one. So immediately all the Baylor fans started coming for Brian's head. And I just had to, I just had to sit back and watch as a buddy of mine just got roasted, which is actually kind of comical to watch. I love Brian to death and I think he did a great job with the lists. Even though K-State wasn't number one in everything, I wasn't coming for Brian's head or anything crazy. Uh, But today he ranked the Big 12 quarterbacks heading to the 2023 season. I wanted to start by reacting to that list here. I'll read it to you below. And I know if you're a fan of this podcast, you know where K-State should be in your mind. That's where it is, every time. However, this is how the list goes. Number one, the Oklahoma Sooners and Dylan Gabriel. Number two, Jalen Daniels and the Kansas Jayhawks. Three is Texas. Four is Will Howard and Kansas State. 5 UCF, 6 Texas Tech, 7 Baylor, 8 TCU, 9 BYU, 10 Iowa State, which honestly we don't know what that quarterback situation will be uh, just because of some of the allegations going on right now, 11 Oklahoma State, 12 Cincinnati, 13 Houston, and 14 West Virginia. Now, immediate reaction. If I'm a K-State fan, is why is it Will Howard 1? And I know that might be a quick thing to say. I'm going to be honest, 1 through 4 in my mind are somewhat interchangeable. And I'm not saying that Will Howard and Dylan Gabriel are the same player you could take either one on a given Sunday. All I'm saying is that these lists don't really make or break anything. You know what I mean? They don't change anything going into the season. Like, there's a real possibility that, like, some of the bottom half guys, let's say uh, Cincinnati's Emory Jones, transferred in, that dude could be top five by the end of the season. He's listed at 12 right now. Uh, I'm not going to go as far to say Houston or West Virginia's quarterback situation, but there's guys that jump every single year. I mean, Will Howard going into this past year wasn't even the starter. So when people get all uppity about these lists and say, you know what, that's crazy. Why isn't, no, come on, that's... 
Dude, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Plus, talking to Will Howard, I mean, he's an underdog guy. He doesn't want to be at one on every list. He doesn't want to be the one that everybody's coming for. I mean, yeah, he does, obviously, have that chip on your shoulder, but, like, it doesn't really matter. The top four to me are all kind of fluid, I would say. Because realistically, like, there's different tier groups of quarterback in the Big 12. And I think that's the fair the, the fair way to look at it. You know, even though Will Howard, in my mind, is the best quarterback in the Big 12, he's not, like, leaps and bounds above the next guy. He is, in my mind, because I'm biased. But, like, if you flipped out, like, like Quinn Ewers, we don't know enough about. Dylan Gabriel obviously had struggles last year. But, like, the difference between Will Howard and Jalen Daniels, obviously they're two very different styles of player. It's not, like, S-tier, F-tier. You know what I mean? It's not that massive of a gap. You know, it's an S-tier... A tier or maybe a high B tier. It's not like, oh my gosh, why isn't this, you know? So I just thought those were kind of funny lists to react to. But yeah, that was the full list, one through 14. K State sits at number four. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think it's too low, obviously, but I mean, I'm not going to just say that K State deserves to be one at everything because they do. I think it's a fair assessment, depending on how you see the league, that Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas all have a considerable conversation to get into that, I guess. I did know that K-State was ranked number one at the O-line position, and a couple other positions they were up there, and then some down low, like tight end and wide receiver, excuse me, not tight end, just wide receiver rankings we didn't do too hot on, uh, but I do think running backs were about fifth or so like that, and I know that people react one way or another, but I just kind of wanted to talk about it and give my thoughts. I don't think it's that much of an oversight to put K-State at four. Now, if K-State's seven or eight, it's a problem. It is a problem, but putting us at four, three, I mean, five is kind of low, I would say. I don't think there's really three quarterbacks consistently better than Will Howard in the Big 12. Like I've said this in the past, on his best day, Will Howard is a dark horse Heisman candidate. On his worst day, he's at least the fourth best quarterback in the Big 12. So I think Brian's at least close to on the money. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just roast my coworker for no reason. I think the list is okay. So if you saw that and reacted to it, you know, let me know your thoughts on that. I'd be interested to hear either way. I think it's a quick and easy assumption to say K-State will be leaps and bounds better than everybody else. But you don't know. You know, you really don't know. Obviously, you're getting a second-year head coach at Oklahoma. You know, the offensive coordinator, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, for Kansas has set up a great offense. Texas, there's just so much hype. If you put him below five on any list, you're probably wrong. Um, And that's just the way it goes. So we'll see what happens when the season actually kicks off. But that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. Now, jumping into the second thing. Next comes from one of my buddies, Caleb, on Twitter. He just recently changed the handle. It was Punished Caleb because he felt punished from all the bad K-State sports over the years. Now it's email, Caleb. Things are looking up, Caleb. Shout out to my boy. This tweet says, Bill Snyder's record versus top 10 opponents in his career at K-State. 5-36 and 36, with wins in 1995 against the number 6 Kansas, 2000 against number 4 Nebraska, 2003 against number 1 OU, 2012 against number 6 OU, 2017 against number 10 Oklahoma State. There's also some conversation to say that people think they were number 9 at the time, but that's not really that important in this case. They're still top 10 either way. Chris Kleiman's career record at K-State versus top 10 opponents. Five and three. And I'll talk about why, but let me tell you the wins first. 2019, win over number five, Oklahoma. You'll see Oklahoma pop up on this list a couple of times. 2020, number three, Oklahoma. 2022, number six, Oklahoma. Three straight major wins over a four-year span. Like, that's huge. 2022 again, number 10, Oklahoma State. And then 2022, one more time, number three, TCU. Chris Kleiman has quickly developed into one of the top coaches in all of college football. And I'm not going to sit here and just dunk on Bill Snyder being like, wow, you didn't win more games. We were horrible when Bill Snyder took over. For a long time, we have been historically bad as a program. We all know that. Even though Chris Clement probably, well, definitely had a better starting point than Bill Snyder did, you're still following up one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. You're not exactly stepping into non-hostile territories. Like, you have to win immediately. Clement gets one year of buffer, which we saw in 2020, and then you go. That's your time. 
The dude has proven himself quickly. And putting an end to that narrative of, oh, well, don't take an FCS coach to lead a, you know, a Power 5 school, that's garbage. Chris Kleiman has quickly become one of the top 10 coaches in all of college football. And I don't think there's many people in the country that will dispute that. I don't. And the 5-3 and three record against top 10 programs, that tells me two things. The first thing it tells me is that this program believes if Chris Kleiman's coaching, this program has a shot to beat anybody in the nation. You know, you're going into number 6 Oklahoma, Norman. Don't worry about it. We're going to have a shot. Doesn't matter what we're ranked, if we're unranked, doesn't matter. And the other thing it tells me, and this is the big one. You can combine this into two points, but I'm just going to go with one. K-State has been overlooked by so many members of the media. I mean, think about how long we've been ranked in the top ten. Maybe once in the last four seasons under Chris Kleiman. That was this season. These dudes are headed for that top five spot. Headed for a top four spot. Maybe even get into a college football consideration under Chris Kleiman. They're putting the brick foundation down, layer by layer, brick by brick, to establish the program. Putting them on a national level, a national map. And it's safe to say, it doesn't stop with Will Howard. It doesn't stop with Deuce Vaughn, Felix, and UDK Uzama. This is an established program. And in case you didn't know, which I'm sure everybody does at this point, Chris Kleiman won six national championships in seven years at North Dakota State. Maybe even seven of eight. It's something ridiculous like that. Every single year, they raise the floor. That's the analogy. That's the entire mantra of this Chris Kleiman team. Raise the floor. The expectation is the same every year, but we got to continue to improve on it. Even if we expect a Big 12 championship every year, we can't just be focused on that and then collapse down the stretch. Once we get to the game, win it, all right, cool, we're done. Go get a spot in the college football playoff. See what happens. Will Howard still has eligibility beyond this year. You know, say K-State finishes top five, and I know that it'd be a snub year considering the playoff isn't a top 12 situation, and the voters really don't like the Big 12. That's just how it goes. Will Howard has every opportunity to come back next year and do the same thing with a new group of guys. Avery Johnson, the future is so bright. All I'm saying with this is I'm not, I'm not here to say that Bill Snyder isn't as good as Chris Kleiman or anything crazy like that. Chris Kleiman is the perfect coach. You could offer me Nick Saban and I'd turn him down right now. Chris Kleiman knows his MO, knows his place in Manhattan. I think it's perfect. The perfect hire. Next thing I want to talk about. This was in response. I believe it's a Mizzou account. I can't remember the exact name of it. And it said, Mizzou fans, which win do you want the most? And this dude, Corey, Corey Terrell Terrell, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. He's a Mizzou guy, I assume a grad of some sort. Kansas State, I want Mizzou to whip their, and then, you know, explicit behinds will, will be what we say. I'm here to tell you right now, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Your head coach is not that guy. Your quarterback, not that guy. If it does and this ages poorly, Mizzou fans, I welcome you to roast me. I apologize. But this isn't the team that can take down a K-State team. Brady Cook looked awful last year against K-State. And I know that's in Manhattan. It's a different story in Columbia, whatever you want to say. It's going to be loud, and people say the whole SEC football garbage. I don't believe that for a second. Will Howard's going in there to win. Chris Kleiman's going in there to win. You don't lose in your non-conference schedule. That's not what K-State's looking to do. And there's aspirations. There's big aspirations for Mizzou. Obviously, they're in the SEC. They're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to beat Tennessee. They're not going to beat Alabama. There's some teams at the top they're just not going to beat. But I'm going to say right now, I don't think they had the staff the roster, or even the head coach to take down Kansas State. I don't. I don't think so. And I know that any dog can have its day, whatever the case is. There's a lot of conversation going around, and I saw it in a Derek Duke's mailbag this week, another co-worker of ours working over at Heartland College Sports. Go check out his mailbag. He responds to questions on Twitter, does some different things. Each week, some questions that get asked of him and things he sees in the community. Someone asked, I apologize which fan it was, for not knowing your name here. 
asked Derek, you know, is Troy K-State's hardest non-conference game? And Derek was vocal on the fact that it was Missouri, considering you're going into Columbia. There's the old rivalry. It's the Kansas-Missouri thing. Everybody's going to be packed out. I still think Troy would be a better matchup against K-State than Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou has good linebackers. And then outside of that, I mean, Luther Burden's a good playmaker on the outside, but I just don't know where this team matches up with K-State on paper, and I don't think it's the right one. I mean, you could toss Nick Bolton back there, middle linebacker again, and I don't think this team beats him. I don't. I think K-State has the recipe. And last year, they did the whole fiasco of don't let 22 beat you and put up pictures of Deuce Vaughn on every single locker all around the football facility. Why? Why give extra bolts and more material? That stuff doesn't go away in one year. Even though Deuce is gone, that stuff's still there. That underlying, like, we have to beat these guys. It's a rivalry game that's not a rivalry game. For that fact alone, I don't think this is it. I don't think they're winning. I think this is going to be Will Howard's coming out party all season long as, hey, I'm an NFL quarterback. Everybody should be looking at me right now. That's what we're going to see from Will. I don't see us going in there and losing. That's the case. But that's my thoughts on the Missouri Tigers. Moving on, and this is kind of an interesting one here. And I want to be as respectful as possible when talking about this because I just don't know the full situation. That's what I'm going to say. However, yesterday there was an arrest made. And it wasn't a K-State player. It was a Kansas player. An offensive lineman, Joe Kraus, I believe he's a second string or third string guard, could even be backup center, who was arrested in connection to a potential bomb threat that was called in at Kansas's athletic facility for football. There was a lot of different tweets. There's a lot of different social media reactions to this. There's some people saying, don't touch this, don't joke about this, don't even talk about this. This is someone's life, which is true at face value. However, when you look at the other side of the coin, if it happens anywhere else, and I'm not saying that Kansas fans would be cheering about that if it happened to K-State, but this isn't untouchable material. And I'm not trying to joke about it and say it's you know stupid, we should ignore it or whatever the case is. But there's people like Mike Vernon, and I've been vocal about not having a big... Uh, I don't really like Mike Vernon. I've been vocal about that in the past. He's a KU reporter, I believe, of some sort, and kind of just has it out for K-State. I assume Missouri as well. Um, I blocked him a long time ago, so I don't really follow his stuff, but I did see a screenshot of this that said, related to the KU football alleged bomb threat. I won't be scooping or trying to scoop any of this. Someone's life could seriously change forever. And I don't think it's a laughing matter at all. Please try to keep that in perspective in the situation, which I do want to commend him. That is true. That's the right way to look at this. And I'll keep that perspective. I understand that young man's life could be completely altered because of this. But we also have no idea what the full story is yet. I've seen rumors, and they're probably all just joking about the kids saying, well, something about Taco Bell and blowing up a bathroom. That was, that was his jokes. There's also a real possibility this is a serious, like, actual issue beyond that. The kid was charged and they released an arrest report and everything. I just don't understand this process at all. And I know there's some some strange people and some different things out there, but it's been a big talking point this week. I just don't understand the situation whatsoever. Like, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I understand it enough to talk about it and say my opinion on it, but I just think it's it's strange from start to finish. Everything I've read about this is strange. This is basically the arrest report. This, well, not basically. This was the arrest report that was written. It says, That on or about July 24, 2023, in Douglas County, Kansas, Joseph Michael Krause, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, if it's Krause or Krause, I apologize, did unlawfully, feloniously, and with the intent to place another in fear, or to cause the, the evacuation, lockdown, or disruption in regular ongoing activities of any building, communicate a threat to commit violence in a public, commercial, industrial building, place of assembly. There's a lot of adjectives in this one. It continues. I'm going to skip through some of the meat. KU football facilities was evacuated, locked down, or disrupted as to regular ongoing activities as a result of the threat. A security level 5 person felony in violation. And the penalty range here, this is kind of the big part to focus on. 
from a minimum of 31 months to a maximum of 136 months in prison and or and a fine up to 324 months of pre-release supervision. That's a ton of stuff going on, man. That is not small news. You know, there's a lot of jokes about it saying, well, this kid, you know, ha ha ha, KU's bombing already, KU's terrible. I'm not going to sit here and do all that. But what a strange environment, what a strange world to be a part of. And we don't know the full situation. I'm sure that KU Athletics is doing whatever they can to keep it, you know, I mean, in-house and not necessarily cover up anything, but just keep the kid, like, away from some of the public, you know, jokes and all the different, you know, perception and stuff like that. But what a weird situation, dude. Calling a bomb threat, potentially, you know, make a joke, potentially. All of KU's athletic facilities cleared for football. What's happening here? What's going on? You know, I know that there's messed up kids, there's messed up people everywhere, but, like, this just doesn't feel like one of those situations. It feels like something that's just weird, misread. It's a weird time in the offseason. Like, I just don't get where they're coming from on this one. So I don't know if I'm going to put that much stock into into this whole situation. I've seen a lot of jokes about it, and I'm not necessarily going to go to that, that length. But it's just kind of, it's strange. I hope the best. I hope they get that situation figured out. I mean, obviously, it's about safety and protecting people, but it's also about football to an extent. I think that this is something that at more and more athletic facilities are going to see, not necessarily bomb threats or anything crazy like that, but you've seen reports like this that have elevated to situations where there's, you know, player harm, people in danger, situations like this elevate to NFL ranks, college football ranks, and I'm sure they're going to have to go through some psychiatric stuff or some evaluation stuff with the player to see where he's at, and it could have been an understanding too, but I did just want to talk about this because I just don't quite... I just don't get it. I don't get the situation. I know that sounds stupid and uneducated, but I'm not going to sit here and say, this is bad, and this kid needs to be put away, or vice versa, and say, you didn't do anything wrong. There's not much to tell. There's not much to go off of right now with this kid. All I know, and all that the media knows for that matter, is that the kid was arrested, and the facility was cleared for bomb-related threats. And technically, KU Athletics, I don't think they've released a statement saying that, you know, the two were linked 100%, and I'm sure they won't. To an extent, they might, you know, release something later in the week, but... It's just a weird time to be alive. It's a weird situation. I do know if that kid is either... I don't know if he'll be suspended. I mean, he probably would be in the sense that he, if he actually did something serious, he might be kicked off the team. But in the sense that it was a joke and a misunderstanding, the amount of, like, jokes and, and types of signs this kid's going to have to deal with for the next till he graduates, basically, that's going to be ridiculous at every game. So that was a takeaway I wanted to talk about. Just That's going to change things. That's really going to change things at, at Kansas and at, at the football scene. And I don't want that to take away from, you know, they've had some good things happen this offseason, but it's just a weird situation to be a part of. But I will leave that alone, and I'll move on to the final thoughts for this podcast. Your one last thing going on, and it's a quick one. I'll tell you this. Are you lonely? Look around your room. Are you alone? Are you sad by yourself? I know I have been. I'm alone in this podcast room recording this. Do you happen to be a male, even a female, who happens to enjoy sports? Let me ask you this. It's an opinion piece. What is the cure to male loneliness? Top answer. Nine hours of college football, Coors Light, and crappy bar food. There's a different word in there. That's the cure, ladies and gentlemen. We're close. We're a month away to avoid all your loneliness. I know I'm looking forward to it. Get it on your calendars now. Loneliness ends in a month. Loneliness ends in a month. We're all going to move on to brighter and better things. But guys, it's been the Everything Ema podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys every day, every time you listen. Either way, if you like the episode, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, react, whatever you want to do to it. We appreciate it each and every day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and go Cats.